Hi guys, and welcome to this episode of Mind Matters with Mia. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Mia Yen, and today I'll be chatting with Ellen Wendell, a licensed clinical social worker, about how to maintain your mental health during a pandemic. So as everyone knows, the coronavirus, or COVID-19, has rapidly spread around the globe and is quickly changing many things about our daily lives. There are so many aspects of this crisis that people are highlighting in the news and media, such as how much toilet paper people are buying or how long we should be washing our hands for. Of course, all these things are really important to help combat this outbreak, but today I wanted to talk about something that is just as important but less talked about during uncertain times like these. No one knows how to handle this situation perfectly because we are currently in a situation that not many people have gone through before. With the world kind of going through this chaotic and scary time, we wanted to take the time today to talk about how we can still be aware of our mental health. Ellen Wendell was kind enough to join me today to talk about this topic. I think it'll be really beneficial during this time for anyone who is feeling a little scared and unsure. We're just going to chat about how we can help you guys and what has worked so far. So let's get into it. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. That's good. Okay, so should we get started? Yes. Okay, so how has a normal day in the office changed for you? So one of the things that I was thinking about a a normal day in the office is usually we have a full staff of administrative staff and therapists. So we have a very positive group culture. It's very lighthearted. We're very supportive of one another because being in a private practice can be very isolating. So one of the things that's different is that I'm, I'm now the only one in the office. We have everybody transitioned to home. They are set up with telehealth and our administrative staff is working from home. So that has really changed a lot and it's very um, different. It's not a normal business day. Yeah, and I'm sure being alone probably changes the whole feel of your work in your office, right? It does. I'm choosing to go to the office just to have a change of pace. Um, And my husband is a therapist that works there too. So he's doing his recordings, his telehealth here, and I'm doing them at the office. But yes, it's lonely. And, now, and it reminds me of what it used to be like in private practice before we created our group practice. So kind of just like what you were comparing to your own office, this is a little bit basic, but how does social isolation affect the mind and mental health? People during social isolation overthink too much. So in social isolation, people are, they're watching a lot of news. They're reading a lot of social media, which tends to call create catastrophic thinking. So being alone and being away from your normal routine can help people unfortunately create some added anxiety because we tend to hear the worst and we think the worst. And so we start to have some irrational fears. I want to go back to something you were saying. Can you elaborate a little bit on what catastrophic anxiety is? So catastrophic anxiety or catastrophic thinking is thinking that everything is going to be a catastrophe, that when we hear about a new diagnosis of somebody with COVID-19, we're like, oh my gosh, it's getting worse. We're going to all die. You know, all the people that I've talked to, you know, somebody's going to, I know that somebody's going to get sick and die. What if it happens to me? We create our own trauma story, but what we're not hearing and we're not being able to rationalize during that catastrophic thinking is all of the people that have tested positive and that don't have symptoms and that are healed and all of the hundreds of thousands of people that are recovering from this with no long-term effects. So the catastrophic thinking is, oh my gosh, what holds us in the news is all the terrible stuff. And then we start creating that, especially during social isolation, we're having these conversations with ourselves and it increases anxiety. 
Yeah, and I personally have felt that because when you're at home and you're just listening to all this news, it can get scary. And especially because this is a time that no one really knows what to do. Like we've never lived through a pandemic before. So that's why it's important to maintain your mental wellness. Yes. One of your questions was, how do we stay grounded and calm? And we all thrive on a consistent schedule, predictability, what we have to look forward to. And during this pandemic and this quarantine and stay at home, it's thrown all of us into a state of what we call uncertainty. And so part of that catastrophic thinking is we don't know what to expect from one day to the next, you know, let alone one hour to the next. And so part of this is very normal that if you talk to other therapists, um, even if you were able to talk to um, other families, which a lot of us can do now through social media, there's some kind of comfort in knowing that we're all feeling the same way. It doesn't matter what age we are, whether people are in school, whether they're in their careers, everybody is feeling this sense of uncertainty because you know, even at my age, I've never gone through a pandemic and it's uncertain for me. And so what we try to do is help stay grounded and refocus on mindfulness and being in the present so we don't think that catastrophic, awful doomsday is going to happen. Yeah, definitely. And I totally agree with that because I feel like we're feeling all these new feelings, but we have to understand that it's normal and everyone's going through it together. And I think like you, what you were saying, it makes us feel better to know that it's not just us. I definitely have been thinking like, this isn't just happening to me, it's happening to everyone. And that kind of just like brings us together in, well, not, it's not obviously the best circumstance, but. But that we're all affected by it. It's not something one person did, or it's not happening to just one group of people. It's kind of, kind of a weird kind of way. It's kind of bringing us all together. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Walking in families and we live near the Paseos and just all the families that are staying together. And I've never seen this many people out at one time. And People are being patient and gracious and waving and, you know, so I feel like there's good coming out of it, but that we're not hearing about all that in everyday life because that doesn't keep people interested in the news. Exactly. And that's kind of hard, but, you know, it's good that everyone's kind of coming together. So I want to go back to what you're saying about being mindful and keeping routine. So what specific things can people do to maintain this mental wellness? One of the things, again, I'm telling all these to my clients as well, is to have a daily routine. And that means get, getting up every day and having a purpose. Even if you have to stay in with the four walls of your house, mm -hmm. um, every day getting up, getting self-care, self-grooming, showering, brushing your teeth, getting dressed every day, having a routine with meals, having a routine with exercise. And I know that you know we're allowed to go outside, keeping our distance, and we're allowed to breathe fresh air, making sure you have some movement in your day every single day. There's no excuse to not exercise with all of the free things that are being offered on the computer, especially through YouTube, but any mm -hmm. kind of exercise they're offering for free. So there's no reason for us to not be moving. Um, and also to have some interaction, some virtual social interaction. And again, depending where you are, people are doing you know, distance learning on the computer, a lot of video games, there's some interaction, but we're doing a lot of um, virtual book clubs, even a lot of the teenagers that I'm working with. So a routine, having something that you can look forward to the next day, self-care, and then in terms of mindfulness, bringing you back into the moment like, wow, how did I handle that? I felt calm today. What did I do that, that was helpful? And being able to repeat that behavior the next day. 
Another thing is if you're starting to feel like you're getting anxious and getting antsy just being in, in the house, there's again, wonderful free apps to help with guided meditations and laying down, even if it's for five minutes, to what we call ground you, like getting your feet on the ground where you're feeling stable again. There's grounding exercises where you have to get in touch with all five senses. Okay, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting anxious. Okay, so what are five things that I can see? What are four things that I can hear? What are three things I can touch? What are two things I can smell? And what's one thing I can taste or I like the taste of? So what it's doing, it's distracting you from the things that you're getting anxious about and making you mindful of your, of your five senses and it grounds you. And that takes you know less than a minute. I really like that you brought that up because I can definitely imagine how that would just make you feel like you're coming back to the moment and it kind of tries to reduce that anxiety that's kind of like always there. And I feel like when we're at home, we have so much time to just make ourselves worried with all the news. But yeah, I agree with what you were saying about the routine because sometimes it can be hard to get up and get dressed even if you know you're not doing anything that day. But the days that I have had a routine, it just automatically makes me feel a lot better without even doing much. And especially with the teens that I'm working with, you know, when, when I follow up with them the next session, you know, they said one of the things that got it, I really didn't want to do it, but I got up and I showered and I actually got dressed. Some put makeup on, they, you know, do something to their hair. And it's like, I, I don't have anywhere to go, but I, you know, I can, I can go for a walk. I can sit outside, but you physically and emotionally feel better because your emotional well-being is tied to your physical well-being. So if you're taking care of yourself physically, it combines with the emotional health. Exactly. Like some days I'll just sit in my pajamas all day and watch movies and then I just feel gross at the end of the day. But it's really nice to just get some fresh air, even if you're just going for a walk. I sit in my backyard and read and it's super relaxing. We may never have this opportunity again that we're forced to stay home, yeah. you know, and that's why I'm thinking that when, when everybody has to go back to school and everybody has to go back to work, to, everybody's going to think, oh my gosh, I wish I would have appreciated that a lot more especially when we're all healthy and the majority of us are to just kind of appreciate, okay, that this is, this is a time for families to get closer. This is a time to read books, to clean things out, to organize, but it's also a difficult time. I mean, one of your questions, you know, just about what's the emotions that people are going through and especially for graduating seniors and, you know, everything that seniors, people in high school, college, graduate school are all missing out on. It's a grieving process. And I don't know if anybody has brought that to your attention, but there's five stages of grief. And especially for people who are not able to fulfill their milestones at the end of the school year, you know, you go through this like whole shock and denial, which is the first stage of grief. Like, I, this isn't really happening. I can't believe this. No, they're going to let us graduate. No, they're going to let us have our prom. Of course they are. We're going to have grad night. And then after that shock wears off that, gosh, it's, not going to happen. And then you go through anger. Like, you know, I can't believe they're doing this to us. Like after working this hard, I can't believe that this is happening. And then you go through this bargaining stage, like, gosh, if maybe if they get the pandemic under control and we reach the apex and we have the flattening curve, they'll let us get back to school in time to graduate. That's kind of the bargaining phase. And then you go through the sadness, like this isn't going to happen. We're not going to get back to school. And these ceremonies and these rites of passage and our wonderful proms, aren't going to happen. And then the final stage of grief is acceptance. Like, okay, I have to accept that this is our new normal. And it's a, it's a long process. 
And it doesn't necessarily go in a line like that. You can bounce back and forth like, okay, I think I'm doing okay. I've accepted that I'm not going to be able to see my friends, you know, and graduate or go to prom. You know, I, I, I'm okay. And then you can go back to like, oh, that's not fair. Yeah. And I'm a sophomore, so I obviously don't have those huge milestones like seniors who are graduating, but there are some things I missed out on. And it's obviously, it's sad. And I was going to ask you, what would you say to those seniors or what have you said to your teen patients who are kind of missing out on these big events? My first gut feeling with that is not to try and make it better because I can't. So I agree with them. You're right. That really sucks. That really is not fair. You are absolutely right. Well, we call it reflective listening. So if they say, you know, I, I'm just devastated that I can't be with my friends a lot. I can't finish my sports season. I can't graduate. I reflect like I'm looking in a mirror. That really sucks that you can't finish your volleyball season. You can't go to your prom and you're not going to be able to graduate. My heart breaks for you. That really, that's really hard. So I first identify with them like you are right. You absolutely are right. And nobody can make that better. Mm -hmm. And then I try to shift to, however, we have to talk about gratefulness and we have to talk about, you know, what are three things that throughout all of this, when all of this is over, what are you going to be grateful for? And I get people to kind of turn back in to say that my family stayed healthy. Some people are like, I didn't have to go to school and take finals or I'm, you know, I'm grateful that I get to see my friends, you know, and, and that we are going to have, I, I, I imagine there's going, maybe that's my own magical thinking that they're going to do something to honor the graduates and that they're going to do mm-hmm. something hopefully but just it it, it just kind of humbles them like okay yes you're absolutely right that's awful and what's the good that's going to come out of this yeah i really like that you brought up the gratefulness because obviously this is not any situation that anyone wants to be in but it really brings us into perspective when we think about some good things that have come out of it or some good things that we can try to remember to get us through the hard times Yes. And right now it might be hard for kids and teens and even adults to feel that gratefulness right now. But I'm trying to be mindful of that every day, even when I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how much longer? But then I have to, you know, I'm just grateful that my family's healthy and that I have a roof over my head and that hopefully everybody will get the financial assistance that they are entitled to. Mm-hmm. And this ties into it a little bit that I was going to ask, why is it more important than ever now to practice self-compassion? I think that practicing self-compassion now, it's almost like it takes three weeks to create a habit. So if we start giving ourselves self-compassion, a lot of times we, we feel that self-compassion is selfish. And I call it selfless, that if we're, if we're giving ourselves compassion that when this is all over, it's going to trickle down into other people in our lives and other um, decisions that we're going to make that you're going to find more compassion with the outside world, with people that you didn't really particularly care about or care for, that, w- that I think you're going to see people with different eyes because of self-compassion. And, and I encourage people to practice that every day without feeling like, oh, I can't believe I'm saying all these wonderful things to myself and I'm giving myself so much compassion. It feels selfish. A lot of people feel that way, but it, it really heals the soul. And I just, you know, again, I'm hoping that we go out into the real world and that we are better people towards each other. 
Yeah, and I think especially while everyone's feeling these new emotions we aren't used to, we have to kind of allow ourselves to feel those things because we've never been through this before and it's okay for us to be like sad or angry that our graduation was canceled because that's normal, right? Absolutely. And again, saying, oh, it's not that bad or don't be sad, that's not realistic. And that's why I encourage parents to say to their kids, you're right. I'm so sorry that you're missing out on prom and on graduation and Mm -hmm. um, all of the milestones. Uh, I've got people in law school that aren't going to be able to have their law school graduations and just, you know, college graduates, high school graduates. I I just want people to be able to grieve over that because they should be able to. And then let's put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And I wanted to bring up this little, illustration that I saw the other day. It was called the quarantine hierarchy of needs. And at the bottom were all the little material things like to survive this, you need toilet paper and hand sanitizer. But at the top, which is the most important, it was compassion. And I thought that was really important because everyone's saying in the media, like you need all this stuff and everyone's kind of going crazy. But to really get through this, we need to have compassion for ourselves and for others and to just kind of connect because that's all we can really do to stay in this. So what you're saying is at the very top, the compassion, after we have our basic needs, which people seem to have thought it was toilet paper and hand sanitizer, uh, and then probably then food and a roof over your head. But the compassion is really what we have control over. We don't have control over, oh, gosh, is Ralph's going to be out of toilet paper? Or are they mm-hmm. going to be out of hand sanitizer? Is the meat going to be stocked there? But what we do have control over is is providing self-compassion and compassion to others. So I love that that's at the top. Yeah, so I, I really like that when I saw it. So I'm going to go back to what we were talking about in the beginning a little bit, just switching gears. How can we prevent the spread of anxiety and fear during these times? This is something I wanted to touch on a little bit. In the news, in the media, we're hearing all these scary things like you were saying before, like this many people have it and this many people have died. And I feel like because this is something we're not used to, it's kind of nerve wracking to keep hearing all these stats while we're kind of like alone with our thoughts. So how should we best cope with these emotions? I think to acknowledge first that, oh my God, hearing that statistic was really scary. What am I going to wake up to today on the news? And then you hear the news and like, oh my gosh, you know, 500 more people tested positive. So allowing yourself to feel the feeling, it's kind of a Buddhist philosophy. So you allow yourself to feel that negative feeling like, oh my gosh, that catastrophic feeling. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, 500 more people. That's awful. It's, get, it's, it's, it's getting closer to home. Oh my God, what if it happens to me? So you're, you're letting your brain acknowledge it. And then you're kind of like, okay, goodbye. It, you have to acknowledge the negative. Don't ignore it. Acknowledge the negative. Acknowledge the anxiety that you're feeling. Take a deep breath. I always like the little bully, let it go. Then it gives you room to bring in the positive because that negativity was taking up some space in your heart and your brain. So you've acknowledged it. You gave the bully some attention. Then you let it go. You bring it back to, okay, so now what are, what are the positives? Okay, I, I still feel healthy today. My family's healthy. My friends are healthy. And I tell people, I want you to spread that positivity just to three people in your life whether it's through a text, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's through Instagram, Snapchat, three people that you just like, you know what, we've got this, or I'm feeling really positive that we're gonna all be okay. 
because it becomes contagious. And when you spread that, your brain is thinking, oh, I'm feeling that again too. When you repeat a positive statement, your brain is thinking, oh, is that just that feeling's happening right now? Or is that just a memory? Your brain gets to feel it over and over. It's like, it's like I'm getting you know, extra chocolate chip cookies you know, because I keep getting these positive feelings. Every time you say it, your brain is getting the oxytocin, the good hormone is being secreted and it makes us feel better. So the way to keep anxiety and fear from spreading is to spread the positive cheer. And you know, your friends might say, oh God, that's stupid. Or I don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You can say, you know what? You can feel like it's stupid, but I just want you to know we've got this and we're going to all be okay. And I can't wait to hug you. Yeah, because all of this negative stuff that we're hearing, we can't control that and there's nothing we can do. All we can do is, like you were saying, just spread positivity. And it's either we let this all of this negativity absorb and take up all of our thoughts, or the only thing we can do is be positive. And I think I saw something else that was saying how anxiety and stress are contagious, but so is positivity. Like if you spread something around, just something small, like will make someone's day. And it's keeping that social connection and positivity. That's really important, I think. And I I think we can keep positivity and having it and have it be um, realistic. It's not like we're in la la magic land that we're like, oh, everything's going to be peaches and cream and rainbows and lollipops. It's, it's not, it's, we're, our, our new normal is going to be different, but we can spread the positivity that for the most part, we are all going to come out of this healthy and strong and, and grateful for our good health. And, you know, some people may not be wanting to hear that right now. And I keep saying it over and over and I'm like, am I just saying this to convince myself? But the more I say it and preach it with my clients, the more I'm really believing it. And that's where it, like I'm, creating this habit of positive thinking. I definitely agree with what you're saying because we have to be realistic. It's not the best scenario we could ever be in, but like I was saying before, we're trying to pull the good out of it as much as we can because that's all we can really do Um, or else we'll just be kind of sitting in this negativity and that just doesn't make us feel good at all. Right, right. No, I... I'm just impressed that you, that you grasp that, you know, and that I'm, I, I just hope that you can advocate that to your friends and your school. It's hard because especially, you know, developmentally and teenagers, sometimes it's just, it really is. It's like, how is this all affecting me and how's it affecting my life? And that's a normal developmental milestone. I also feel the good that's going to come out of this is that people are going to be less self-absorbed and like, you know, they really want to be around people and they really want to be around people that are more, positive. I mean, I don't know what your experience has been like around negative people over around this versus positive people. Yeah, I, I try, but I definitely have been feeling negative some days too, because it's hard for everyone, but the positivity, I think people are kind of putting everything in perspective and realizing how important it is to like have a community and not be self-absorbed. But I want to go back to something you were saying about teens. How do you think this is affecting teenagers like around my age differently is there a specific way that we're reacting differently do you think i think what the biggest situation that teenagers are missing is a social interaction in person and you know some some teenagers are homebodies and um tied to their devices and are happier than ever that they don't have to go to school mm-hmm. some are um the thing that they're missing the most and very sad and depressed over is that the the physical being together physically and actually having a place to go and hang out. 
and, and a lot of people are missing school and missing, uh, you know, if, if whatever activities that you're involved in, missing the group culture that they have with their team or with ASB, with any clubs that they're in. Um, I think that that's been the hardest for them and probably being around their parents all the time. <laughs> that's as much as we're saying there's family togetherness, there's, there's a lot of tension too because teens want their own time. And you know, that's a lot of teens are spending a lot of time in their room and parents are concerned that they're depressed, but most of them aren't. They just want to be kind of left alone sometimes or be on social media or being, or FaceTiming or something. I feel like for the most part, the teens that I talk to are just missing the, the social interactions. And I think that they're gonna appreciate that more because we get so connected to social media and our devices that I think people are gonna just gravitate to that more and be so grateful again when we're able to be around each other again. Yeah. So what would you advise teens about how to kind of keep up this connection? I just think that teens are in a position that other teens have never been in a position before because of our devices and social media and Zoom. So my suggestion is that every day that they connect with somebody and that could be like, you know, yesterday was Easter, you know, I encourage people to connect with family members or cousins or best friends, text messages, even sending cards to somebody. I have people writing journals and they're writing journals to their best friend. And when they get to see each other again, they're going to switch it out. Um, that's making them feel connected. I'm, I'm having people do TikTok videos and send them to their <laughs> friends and, and do challenges just to have, you know, because I know that that's the, the, really the only form of communication now. And thank goodness people have that. Yeah. Um, I'm having people make gifts for people like making, you know, handmade jewelry or um, creating some kind of token that when they can see each other again, they can exchange it and, and, and connect in that way. And especially with all this time, like just making a little gift, it's something fun that you can do while you have free time. Plus it's kind of like a fun little gift to show like your appreciation for your friend. And I think it is important to keep up a little bit of that connection. So you're not just at home by yourself. You're virtually with other people, which can always make everyone feel better. Also people are doing drive-bys and I don't know if you know anybody that's doing that, but you know, yeah. whether it's birthday or whether um, like one girl that's in junior high, there's a group of five of them. And each day they took turns to a parent was taking them over to each other's houses and dropping off a little gift on the BEP and then going back in the car. And then they were talking, you know, like, I miss you so much. And so they were having an in-person conversation and, you know, giving like virtual hugs. And then, so for five days, they had something to look forward to because they got to see each one of their friends from a distance. So I'm asking teens to be creative in how they can even see each other, whether it's one time, a couple times with maintaining the social distance because it makes them feel really special. Yeah, for a few of my friends' birthdays, I was planning on just driving by. I'm really excited just to see their face in person. And even if we're like a little bit, we're far apart, we can still talk. There, there are definitely still ways, like you were saying, you can get creative and see your friends and it's something to look forward to, which is also good to have. Yes, yes. So lastly, what do you think is the most important thing teens should take away from this? Or do you have any resources for teens that are struggling through this time? 
I have a great resource for teens that are struggling through this time. Um, I'm connected with called Carly Under the Rainbow, some organization that I, when I was Googling for a teen that I was working with, like 108 ways to feel good about yourself, 195 ways to increase your self-esteem. I feel like the takeaway should be that you should be able to have a list when you're feeling good of, of 10 things, 20 things that make you happy. And that will make you happy. Once this is all over, what are 20 things that you want to do to reconnect with people to make that will make life so much happier? So with the days that they're feeling down or the moments they're feeling down, they pull out the list and they're like, oh, oh, oh yeah, I do want to do that. Oh, I can't wait to do that. It's hard to come up with those ideas when you're sad, but it's great to come up with those ideas when you're feeling good and em empowered. And the other takeaway is, like I said at the beginning, is that I know it doesn't feel that way now, but you, you will never in your lifetime have an opportunity like this to not be in school all this time and there's no expectations from you and you don't have to go out and get a job and you know there's a lot less expectations appreciate the time that you have home with whatever family members are at home and appreciate your friendships now and make sure that you tell your friends through social media through virtual ways how much you care about them because it's going to really um enhance your friendships once you get to see each other in person. I don't think teenagers will take each other for granted anymore. They'll be like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I can't believe I get to hug you. I'm never going to, I'm never going to stop hugging you. I'm never going to take that for granted. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think then this is all over, hopefully soon. I think all of us will kind of have a different perspective and like you're saying, not taking things for granted. I hope so. And I'm, you know, I'm saying that for teens, but I also have to say that for kids. And I also have to say that for adults because Everybody is getting in a rut. And again, we're all going to get in a rut. And this is not the greatest thing, but I'm proud of those that are practicing what's the social distancing for the, I'm proud of people that are doing that for the rest of us. And I have to have that gratitude instead of focusing on the ones that I see out in groups mm -hmm. and out. And instead of me getting angry, it's again, I acknowledge that like, really, you're, you're doing this when we're supposed to be doing this. And then I like, okay, let it go. And then I think about all the people that are abiding by the restrictions and I'm grateful. Yeah, it's not easy and I've gone through the same feelings, but it's just one small thing at a time and it's important to realize like what you're grateful for and the is. good things that are coming, which is, which can be hard definitely, but Absolutely. it's just, it's small things and I think we're all getting there. So. I admire all of you guys. I mean, this is a long time to be at home and you know, home with family and not being able to, to go out and be with your friends or <clears throat> do the things that you love. So I admire all of you guys. And I, you know, I just have a hard time being home and my kids are grown just, <laughs> my, you know, with my dogs. And luckily, you know, that, you know, and if people have animals, it motivates, they have to take them out for walks yeah. and animals are getting a lot of attention now, which is a wonderful thing. So Okay, I think that's where we're going to end it. But thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. This was really, this was a really great conversation. I think it's important for this time. Thank you so much. I, I just, I'm honored that you reached out. I appreciate that. And, and I hope to maybe meet you in person one day. Yes, maybe when this is all over, we can talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so yeah. much. I had a great time. Me too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Mind Matters with Mia. I'm hoping it was a little bit beneficial for you guys to get through this kind of uncertain time that I know everyone is having a little trouble with. The links that we were talking about will be in the episode description, so take a look and have a great rest of your day. Bye.